0: Take your Bibles and you can open to Numbers chapter 13. I want to give you a, a few thoughts for us to consider missionally. And then we'll, we'll finish up praying uh, for Kenya. So I, I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was a couple of months ago, time is weird, I never remember how time goes. Some time ago, I went to Harrisonville to preach at their uh, missions conference. I got to spend a few days with the students there. And um, I actually am, am borrowing from myself, and I thought, I need to teach you guys some of the things that I taught those students. And what we did is we, we did missions lessons from the life of Moses and Joshua. It was kind of a look at missions and discipleship. So Moses disciples Joshua. Moses was given this command to go into the land, and then ultimately Joshua is the one who does, who goes into the land... And do you have the, the slides? You got you got this rolling, yeah. And so essentially, there were you know for them there were two sermons that I, I preached in. One was on see the land, one was on enter the land. And so we're going to look at this idea of seeing the land because that was the first thing that they were told to do. And in Numbers 13, God is kind of is laying that out, is instructing these uh, 12 spies to go into the land. And what we were talking about was how to be a good spy. Right? I want to take a today and teach you guys how to be a good spy as well. All right, This is not going to benefit you. Uh, like You couldn't put it on your resume and then like get a job for the CIA. This is not going to benefit you there. These are going to be uh, spiritual missions that will help you to spy out the land. Now here's our key thesis. Uh, they sent, God sent 12 men into the land, but the goal is, to look on the land. The goal is to get the right vision for the land, right? Because if you know the story, if you grew up in in a, in a Sunday school, then you know, 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and two were good. How's that go? Like that? Is that the hand motion? 10 were bad and two were good. Most of them, they all saw the land, but most of them didn't see the land rightly. They didn't get God's vision for the land. And I think this is a danger in a place like a town. You all see missions because we expose you to missions a lot. Uh, you know, every other month or so, missionary prayer night, we're doing missions focuses in here every Sunday that follows a missionary prayer night, we have focus at the end we talk about the mission a lot. And so everybody could be like the 12 spies and go, "Yeah. I see. I see what's going on." But in reality, you never actually get God's heart for missions, and you never actually see the mission right, because you don't allow God to give you the vision for the mission. Does that make sense? And so our fear, my fear, is that we have 12 or whatever our number is. We have 600 in Midtown that all feel like they're a part of it just because of association with a mission sending, uh, reproducing church. And they go, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a part of the mission. See the mission. But you're really like the 10 who come back and go, yeah, I went on a mission, trip, or Yeah, I saw the field. What'd you see? It was awful. You go, what? Only two came back with the right response. All right, so how do you become then a good spy? What was different about Joshua and Caleb? Uh, Number one, they knew the mission. All right, this is the first thing we need to see. If we're going to be able to see the land or see the mission rightly, you actually have to know what the mission is. So Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send men, every one a ruler among them. Skip ahead to verse 8, and you see of the tribe of Ephraim, uh, Oshia, the son of Nun. By the way, that was his name, Joshua. A lot of people forget this. Is one of those people in the Bible where God changes his name. He goes from Oshia to Joshua. We think about Saul, Paul, we think about the easy ones, but Joshua one of them too. Uh, verse 16, these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshea the son of Nun, Jehoshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land to Canaan. And he said unto them, get you up this way, uh, southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and the land and what the land is that they dwell in, and whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether uh, there be wood therein or not. And be of good courage and bring the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So that was the instruction, and and this was important for us, you know, for people like me, for people like Del, uh, who lead in missions, we have to make sure that the... That the the congregation, the people, clearly know what the mission is. You have to know the vision. And so Moses lays out some really clear points. When you're going in, you're looking at tents. You're looking at fruit. You're going to go up this way to get in. Count the people. Are they strong? Are they weak? And so Moses lays it out. If they were taking notes, they would have had a checklist of things that they should pay attention to. And then they come back and they give a report. And the report happens for you know a few uh, verses down, uh, starting in verse 26. And they went and they came to Moses and to Aaron, this is after been in, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. So they did what they were instructed to do, at least at some level. They said, Bring back the fruit, and they got that, and they did. And they told them and said, We came into the land where thou sentest us, and surely if with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, strong in the land and the cities, all and very great. Moreover, we saw there, we saw the children of Anak there. Those are giants. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Jebusites and theites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, "Let us go up at once and possess it." for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with them said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And so you have Caleb here, who takes the lead uh, in in terms of this good report. And Joshua is going to jump in with Caleb. And what we'll see is, 10 say, no way. And two say, yes, we can do it. Now, the issue here is that 10 of the people don't actually remember what the true mission was. And so therefore, they're making wrong applications. And when we don't understand the mission, we will always make wrong application. We'll get involved in, in wrong missions. We'll start, we'll start working for wrong objectives, and we won't actually get anything accomplished. Let me take you back to Deuteronomy and show you real clearly what the mission was. Deuteronomy 122. And they came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us. And they shall search out the land, and bring us word again by what way must must go up, and into what cities they shall come. Deuteronomy one thirty three. And who went in the way before you to search out the place to pitch your tents in... Oh, that's not the verse I want. Uh, Oh, yeah, it is. I don't know, I put it up there. Yeah, there it is, sorry. I didn't read far enough. Who went in the way before you to search search you out a place to pitch your tents in and fire by night to show you by what way you should go in a cloud by day. This is the key. This was the core of the mission was to figure out what way to go in. You see that in both of those verses. You go before us, you figure out the way to go in. In fact, God had been showing you that all along. God was leading you by fire and by cloud to show you the way. Okay? That was the mission. The report that came back was, they're too big and they're too strong. We can't fight them. And that's because they missed out on something critical. This is the first key that I want you to get. The only way to look at the mission rightly is to figure out how you get involved, not if you should get involved. The issue for Israel was never to figure out if they should go into the land of Canaan. The issue was to figure out how they should go into the land of Canaan. By what way? Essentially, it feels to me like like God was saying, I'm going to give you the land. You guys are going into the land. I want you to go and spy it out and decide how you want to approach it. Come up with a plan. And it's almost as if God was saying, it really doesn't matter what plan you come up with, because I'm going to do the thing but I want you to get involved in the process and I think a lot of life goes like that where God is saying, i I'm not ask I'm not I don't want you to figure out if you should engage in the mission I do want you to engage in the mission that's been commanded that's been given to us if you didn't know that you were already commanded to to get involved in the mission let me assure you and we can look at it biblically God has commanded you to get involved in the mission that's not the discussion The discussion is how and I think God is doing the same thing for us. God is just sitting back saying, I want you to look around, see all that's going on at Midtown, because that's where you're planted. See all that's going on in Faith Fellowship. See all that's going on in the place where you're at, and then decide, how do I get involved with that? If is not the question. And then, and then I think a lot of times it it'll works out just like it does here. Where God's like, as long as you make a plan, you're like, I think I fit this way. You know, when you, you pray about it and you trust the Lord, God's like, okay, let's roll with that. You're, you're, you're obedient. You're taking steps forward. You decided uh, maybe you were led by the Lord to support missions. Praise the Lord. Do it. God's like, all right. Then I'll multiply that. I'll support that. You go, I think God is leading me to go on the Tampa trip. Praise the Lord. And God says, good. That's how you get involved. And God gets behind that. God says, I'll multiply that. I'll support that. And so they completely lost sight of the the real mission. And we cannot lose sight of the real mission. And the real mission is, how does God want to use me in missions? Okay? So if we do lose sight of the mission, I can guarantee you, we will come back with bad reports and make wrong judgments. And that's the report that was brought back. Oh, but we can't go into the land. Because of the giants. Wait, that wasn't ever on the table. That wasn't the discussion. Is mission scary? Yeah. Are there giants out there? Yeah. Does that mean we get to, f- to decide if we're going to engage? No. It means we decide how we deal with giants. Okay, so we have, to know, we have to know what the the mission actually is. If we don't know the mission then we will fail. Next we need to know the distractions. there's a number of distractions that that show up here. You know, as they come back, unfortunately in this case, one of the distractions is the majority. You have ten men that are saying we can't do it and you have two that are saying we are. For those two, from their perspective, it's actually probably rather disheartening. They're discouraging to see that the men who were with them on the mission come back and say we shouldn't engage in the mission. But this is the way that this is the reality of the world out there, but we pray it's not the reality of the world in here. Now, if the majority of the people in faith fellowship are not engaged in the mission, then unfortunately that becomes the reality in here. And it becomes harder for some. We have Joshua sitting over here and we've got a Caleb sitting over I want to get involved, but when I look around and when I talk to you know, the people I'm in Bible study with and I talk to the people that I engage with, none of them are engaged in the mission. In fact, they're telling me scary stories about why I shouldn't engage. And sometimes, unfortunately, the majority shows up in here too. Now, we're praying that that's not true. I'm praying that the majority actually supports and is engaged in the mission from in here, right? But the reality is, is that outside of here, the majority will not. The world won't understand your boss won't understand. You'll ask for time off, and you'll tell them you're going to go to Romania to, to help build a missionary's house, and they're going to go. That's an awful way to use your free time. Right? The world doesn't get it, and the majority never will. Does that mean that we aren't to engage in the mission? No. It means that we have got to become comfortable standing against a majority. And a lot of, you know, this is preacher talk, It's a good preacher talk, but here's preacher talk. You plus God equals a majority. There you go. Old preachers say that all the time. If you've got God on your side and you know you're standing with him, you're still in the majority. So that's a good place to be. Most of the spies brought back a bad report. They lost sight of the vision. But what about you? Are you willing to stand against a majority? Um, You know, um, does popularity matter? It does in our culture currently. I mean, that used to be an issue for middle school, high school kids, but now apparently, uh, you know, 30, 40, and 50 year olds are just like high school kids because it's like, I need to, I'm on on TikTok and I'm on this and I'm on that. I got to make sure people like me. Like, the majority really matters to us now, somehow. That mindset has overtaken adults. Remember, you know your dad, your grandpa's generation, they don't care about what them neighbors think, or anyone else. You, 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 and you did, you remember being in middle school and going to, to the store with your dad, and you're like, really, dad, You can dress like that? Like, it mattered to you, and dad's like, I don't care, <laughs> right? We need some of that. Another distraction is this, the opposition. Uh, what they saw in the land were giants, right? And there, is, there, there really are giants uh, that we will have to face if we choose to engage in the mission. Uh, there are all kinds of things and and the, and the report was we are grasshoppers in their sight. we're just like these annoying little insects. no more grasshopper, right So there are giants, and sometimes they are our bosses like our boss could be a giant he has authority over me, he has power over me, he gets to decide all kinds of stuff in his life. maybe your husband is a tyrant, uh, maybe he's the one that's that's against you and against the mission, maybe, you know, it could be all kinds of things that, that come into our life. Uh, it could be our financial situation, could appear to be a, a giant, our, our work situation could appear to be this giant. There are all these things that we look at and say, they're just too big and I don't know how to deal with them. Well, does God? Can he deal with them? They look at it and they said, well, the children of uh, the Amalekites are there, the children of Anak are there. Oh, and by the way, they have a walled city, uh, Jericho. I don't know if you guys know about Jericho. It's got big walls. It's real scary. Building relationships can be hard as adults in our current world. For some of us, that can be a giant. Um, you know, people will often reject the gospel the first time you share it with them. That can become a giant. Do I share it again? Do I keep going back? Do I keep chipping away at this walled city? Then this is the way. People work in, the, in our current world. They are walled up. They have these fortresses around their hearts. They are like Jericho. Holy shut up. But the Lord can bring those walls down. This was the, this was the answer in Exodus you know, chapter 3. God said it from the very beginning. He told Moses, uh, and, he, and, and Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Remember, Moses had these reasons why he couldn't go. And one was, who am I? And God's answer to who am I was, I'm with you. Who are you? You're right. Who are you? That's a good question, and we've talked about that before. Who am I that I could go? Well, God is with you. End of discussion. In fact, God kept making that point all throughout, you know, uh, from, Abr- from, from Adam all the way to Moses, God just kept saying, I'm with you, I'm with you, no worries, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. And so here's another point for application, in terms of dealing you know, just with giants and dealing with distractions and dealing with the majority. The natural man is easily distracted, so I actually have to work to stay on target. Distraction comes easy. I've got uh, an 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old. One thing that we work on in our house is finishing your, your task, staying on task, not getting distracted. Any other mom? I'm like, I am amazed how you can get one thing out, and I can give you an instruction. Make sure you deal with that before you move on. And four minutes later, I walk through the house, and that thing is laying on the floor over here, and you've moved on to something else. What on earth is going on? That's the way the natural man works. I was like that, and if I'm not careful, I am like that, even as an adult. I sit down to, to tune in, and things pull me away. To be honest, I, I feel like I have more struggles now keeping my, my mind on task than I did in my 20s. I don't know what's up with my mind, uh, but I have to work hard. I have to pray. I have to be intentional about staying on task. So the natural man wants to be distracted. But we need to know what the giants are. We need to know what the distractions are. And then we need to make it a point to say, hey, I recognize I'm going to get off task. So I've got, got to be target focused. I need to know my target, and then I've got to stay on it. Next, uh, we need to know the consequences. And this is the last thing I'm going to give you real quick, and then we'll pray for Nairobi. Joshua knew that being a bad spy was disobedience. Right? He couldn't just come back and bring back a, a, a bad report and, and think that, that he's doing his job. And this is what some of the others misunderstood. What Joshua recognized the consequence of not fulfilling the role that he was given was not just that uh, up a little, it was disobedience before the Lord. Back to where we started you don't get to decide if you're going to engage, you decide how. So the consequence is disobedience. I have to be involved in God's mission. If I'm not, it's disobedience. Joshua knew that lack of faith was due to a wrong perspective. When They all went and they all saw the same thing. They saw giants, they saw walled cities, they saw milk, they saw honey, they saw all those things. But a couple guys got hung up on on this wrong perspective, on all the difficulties of all the reasons not to get engaged. And Caleb has to come and go, wait, wait, they're big. They're bad, they're tough, but we have God on our side. We should probably go right now. Like, Caleb doesn't even want to take a nap, get a snack first. He's just ready to go. He's like, let's just grab our swords and go fight them now. That was perspective. Joshua knew that the consequence of not obeying God was far worse than what the giants could do to him. And that's important because we consider the consequences of getting involved in the mission. We say, I might lose my job, I might lose my friends, people won't like me, all these things could go wrong. At the big level, you think, man, God might send me to somewhere like Pakistan, I might lose my life, I might lose my wife, uh, I might, I don't know, there was a guy with us, but not really with us. We never met him. He was there in Pakistan just before us. He got captured by the Taliban, and they they cut his finger off. They were mad because he said, there is one God. They said, well, watch this. We'll cut your one finger off. And that left him with three. And he's like, that's funny, because that's the Trinity. He just left me with the Trinity. He took away the one, but we still got the three. Anyway, you hear stories like that, and you go, that's scary. Yeah, well, you know what? The consequences of not engaging in God's mission are greater than the consequences of fearing what could happen. Returning to Egypt was not an option. Staying in the wilderness was not an option. But this is what we do. We look around and we go, well, the mission's hard, the mission's scary. I know I'm saved. I know God brought me out of Egypt. But I'm just going to keep wandering in this wilderness for a while. That's not an option. And the nation of Israel, they even try it. They go, yeah, but you remember the garlic. You remember the fish. You remember the leeks. We could go back there. Egypt wasn't so bad. But that's not an option either. You're a child of God. The option to go back into the world is not a real option nor is staying in the wilderness. Take the land. God has a land, a place that he wants to bring you to. So the, you know, the only other option is, is death. And that's what it was for those who were disobedient. God said, fine, then everybody over the age of 20 will die in the wilderness, save Joshua and Caleb. Two men over the age of 20 out of, you get the number, it's you know, 400 and some thousand Uh, adults. Out of 400 and some thousand, two go in. Obedience was the better option, even if there's giants. So Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, and he will bring us into the land, and give it us. A land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bread for us. The other, the other guys saw themselves as grasshoppers in the sight of the giants. Caleb and Joshua see the giants and say, they're bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. God makes a promise that is still yet to be fulfilled, and that's why we engage in the mission, because the glory of the Lord will one day fill the whole earth. We get to be a part of that now. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened unto my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and followed me fully. With him will I bring into the, the land whitherto he went, and his seed shall possess it. And I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do unto this evil congregation." that are gathered together against me in this wilderness, and they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search out the land, lived still. And that's it. That's our our last key point. The consequences of not engaging in the mission are far steeper or far worse than anything can happen to you in the mission because the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. where will you be standing when it does?